deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, you're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. Hi guys, I hope you're doing well. Um, This episode, we're in for a doozy. It's kind of a bit more serious, but I thought that it would be appropriate to talk about the TikTok I did recently, um, I did a TikTok and I got a lot of engagement and responses to it. And uh, the topic was Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez and Kelsey in that situation. Now, a lot of people decided to respond to that TikTok with conversations around the legalities of the case. And I want to reiterate to everyone that I am not a lawyer. I do not give legal advice or legal analysis. That is not the scope of my abilities and I feel as though it would be irresponsible and inappropriate to go that route. My commentary is not about the legal situation or the court proceedings. My commentary was on the perception and the PR crisis that has ensued. Um, I was specifically referring to um, Black women in the Black community who have been the most harmful with their rhetoric and the most uncharitable with their criticisms of Megan the Stallion. Before I continue, I just want to say thank you for all of your support. A lot of you, you know, really engaged with that TikTok and you support my podcast. So thank you for that. Um, if you like what you hear and you want to support, by all means, please rate this five stars because you love me that much. Leave a review. That always helps. And this podcast is available across all major platforms. I haven't looked to see if y'all are running it up on Spotify. I'll check to see, but y'all are doing a pretty good job (laughs) from an analytics standpoint for Apple podcasts. So I appreciate that. That being said, if you would like to give me your feedback and, you know, send me a little message, you can DM me on Instagram at it's more than potential, or just look up more than potential on Instagram. Like you can't miss me. My branding's all the same. So yeah, DM me and share your thoughts. I love hearing you guys' perspectives and, you know, if you have a specific topic that you'd like for me to cover, let me know. Anywho, I think that this all started first and foremost because I saw a TikToker or uh, several TikTokers actually who were commenting on Megan Thee Stallion and they were more so talking about the way that Megan was acting and behaving and the things that her and her legal team were doing. Basically, it was almost like they were talking about PR. Like, what is the optics of Megan wearing a purple suit and having cleavage and wearing lipstick? And um, I don't know, like just all the different PR little things. Now, what's weird about this is some of the things that are being regurgitated are coming from actual experts but most of things, these things are just hearsay, um, speculative, just stuff that like is just internet noise. It's like the shade room type stuff. 
And like, I find that to be so interesting, right? Because like I mentioned before, my content is about well-being, self-improvement, mental health. Um, I do some affirmations on the side just to, you know, motivate people and motivate myself. More of a self-motivation than anything. Um, So this does not fall within my sphere. Um, I don't really like talking about pop culture topics. It's just not vibrationally where I am. But I noticed that's where a lot of people reside. They reside on that level of pop culture, shade room type content. They really resonate with it. And it's really disturbing to me because I feel like the shade room and other gossip blogs have participated in the most malicious attacks against Megan. Um, And it's concerning to me from a mental health perspective because Megan has expressed on the witness stand that she thinks about self-harm and And she suffers from ideation because of what happened to her. And it really broke my heart because Megan is in her mid-20s. We're about the same age. If not, maybe I'm a little bit younger than her. Maybe. So it's weird to see how someone who is my age can be rich, can be influential, can be on the cover of Forbes, and be making her way in a world that, you know, she navigates alone because her mom and grandmother, the people who were her support system are gone. She's unprotected. And so it's kind of like, you know, like if you watched Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett has this really great speech in front of the UN. And she just basically says like, we know what you whisper, the king is dead. And now is our time to strike. And that really resonates because it's like, that's how I see Megan. Like y'all are really saying like, oh, her family is dead. Now is the time to come for what we want. Sue her, tie her up in litigation, take all the money, make sure that her contracts are terrible. Um, just really try to destroy this girl um, and bleed her dry. And it's really showing that that's what people's intentions have been because no one's intentions around her are pure. And she raps about this consistently, right? About just how much guidance she lacks. And she's trying her best and doesn't really know what she's doing. And, and I see that. I see that, that she doesn't know what's going on. And I can empathize because I, 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 I would imagine if, if I was a celebrity, I would be equally confused, you know? <laughs> like, think, Beyonce had a father figure to guide her um, in the early part of her career before she fired him and started managing herself. But she learned from her father, who actually did have her best interest at heart, even though he was flawed. So it's like Megan doesn't have that, right? And it's weird to see so many older Black women who are in their 30s and 40s coming down so harshly on her and and talking about her cleavage and all this other stuff. It's, it's really baffling to me. And that's what I was responding to, how multiple creators who have built platforms with huge support from Black women to build those platforms turn around and see a Black young woman who is my age struggling and being like, oh, see, here's what you should have done from a PR perspective. But these people don't have a PR background. And like, to be honest with you, they don't even have a legal background. (laughs) So it's like, what are you saying right now? But yeah, like, and and they're guising. What it is, is they're disguising their disdain for Megan and everything she stands for by using certain legal jargon and taking the actual opinions of people who may have credentials and saying, and basically being misogynistic, but disguising it as like, quote unquote, advice or quote unquote, discourse. And I didn't like that because it's, it's not genuine, you know, like, can you really say that you want Megan to win a court case 
by talking about her cleavage and how if she wore a different suit, it would make her look more innocent. Like, Megan's not even the one on trial here. <laughs> so why does she have to look innocent? She's just there to give a statement. <laughs> and, you know, you know, maybe a more charitable interpretation of their content is like, well, they're just trying to point out that every little thing is going to be used against her. It's like, well, obviously, right? Nobody's stupid here. We know that, you know, the defense is looking to, you know, invalidate and discredit um, Megan to make her seem like an unreliable witness. But at the end of the day, like they're, the defense team is also counting on y'all hating Megan more than you want Tory Lanez in jail. What they're counting on is several things. And no one talks about this, or at least I don't know. I've tried to stay away from the fray regarding this topic. I, I really try not to listen to a lot of commentary on this. But it doesn't seem like enough people are mentioning that the defense team that Tory Lanez has hired, they've, they've essentially gambled on several things. Number one, that they can do a bait and switch. So they are basically talking about Megan's sexual history to make headlines and kind of distract the public from what's actually happening. Like if you spend five, six, seven TikToks talking about Megan's sexual history and why being a hoe isn't a good idea or whatever, or being sexually promiscuous is terrible, but then like you don't do it even one TikTok about Tory Lanez's violent offenses, even leading up to the trial, then you are kind of falling for what the defense was looking for, which is use her sexual history and alleged connections as bait for the public, you know? And they're counting on you thinking that her sexual history actually matters when it doesn't. Like they'll say things like, oh, they were arguing over her sexual past and her partners and that's what initiated the fight. Is it? Is it? Is it? You know, you see what I'm saying? It's like they're planting these things. Like the defense is counting on us seeing Tory Lanez, who has not really been like a huge family man up until this point. They want the optics of him holding his son, walking into the courtroom and y'all being like, oh my God, they're really going to lock up another black man. <laughs> what? They're going to separate a father from his son. Like what? If he really cared about his son, he wouldn't have been partying at Kylie Jenner's house trying to take Kylie Jenner from Travis Scott. He would have been with his son, the son. He wouldn't have been partying and like doing crazy things and shooting people. If he was really a family man, I just, I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe I'm the crazy one, but it just seems like weird maneuvering to me. Um, weird optics at play here. And they're, the defense is counting on all of these things to distract you from the truth, which is that, dude, like, he probably shot her. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, we should believe Megan and, and just end the conversation there. But no. They're doing the okie doke like they did with OJ Simpson. Like you really just use the black community's um, puritanical beliefs against them because everyone loves to consume Megan Thee Stallion's music and her raunchiness. But when she actually is a human being who is flawed and may make mistakes or may have intercourse, oh my God, shut down the highways and like close down the stores. Like we got to hide our kids, hide our wives, hide our husbands because, you know, Megan's coming for them. Like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like what did you like what did you think she's a grown adult <laughs> and an attractive one at that 
But anyway, y'all see the point. So it's getting ridiculous watching how the discourse is getting so toxic. It's it's centering around Megan being this young woman who is just so promiscuous and so irredeemable that it would make sense that somebody would enact violence against her because of course this would happen. She should have known. She should have done this. She should have done that. And it's hard to stomach. So when I made that TikTok, I was really just expressing that the idea of a handmaiden, which is a woman in service to patriarchy, these handmaidens are causing a lot of ruckus. And and I, and I said before, and, and, and granted, to be fair, I don't know if I have enough time to really delve deep into this particular topic, but I, I do think with handmaidens, you see this a lot. They weaponize anything they can. They'll use the their political means to enact an agenda in service of men, but never in service of themselves. And so they make it a point to attack other women with everything that they have to ensure their own position, because that's what this is about. It's about survival. And I think there are some women who think that by aligning themselves with men and patriarchs that they can ensure their own survival, but you'll end up like Anne Boleyn. You know what I mean? Like you'll just end up with your head chopped off. It's it's not like you can just you know, do things to malign and hurt other women and that be an effective long-term strategy. Eventually, the clown bites back. You start clown. What, what did Monique say? Clowning, you somebody clowning and the clown will bite back. Yeah, something like that. You, you know, you got to be careful because once you have normalized backstabbing behavior towards other women, eventually there will come a day where there's no one else left to backstab and you're just there and you're singled out as being the troublemaker and everyone will realize it's you and then you're out of there. You know, it's the same way. I think a lot of women who have this handmaiden spirit, so as I like to put it, they love to target other women and the women are the subject of their ire and resentment when there's just a limited amount of resources available due to to patriarchy and capitalism. So your time would be better spent acquiring resources for yourself or in community with other women. Like, come you know, create a situation where all these women can, you know, compile their resources and really work together. But in order to do that, you'd have to admit that you need other women and the other women can be a source of strength and support, but you won't do that because you're in competition with them. Anywho. Um, so yeah, that's what the, the intent of that TikTok. And it's just, it's just been interesting seeing the reaction and response, but I want to talk also, um, about a specific kind of black woman who was in my comments as I was going through and deleting people and deleting people because I, I was so serious when I said I was blocking anyone who had that handmaiden mentality where you're trying to debate the legalities of the legal system and you barely have a college education. If that, you don't have no legal degree. Um, you're just talking out your, your, your neck, right? I'm just deleting those people and I'm not even going to explain why you're wrong. You're just wrong. Um, but... <clears throat> I noticed that there was a commonality. A lot of the the women in the comments were basically trying to take on this objective approach to the issue, to the conversation. So their understanding is that like the content creators that I stitched, they feel as though women are too emotional. We're too illogical. We get our feelings hurt and we lash out. We don't like accountability. They want a more fair and balanced conversation around what's happening with Meg. And they think that they're the ones to lead that. 
And I thought that was so interesting because uh, it was like a commonality, a common thread between all of these women. They pride themselves on using respectability to elevate themselves over other women, right? That's the goal. They don't want to be conflated with a Megan Thee Stallion because of her alleged reputation and status, right? Now, mind you, these are all middle-class women, if that. Like, they're barely middle-class. So I don't know why they hate Megan so much, but I'll get to that. Anyway, these women... What's so fascinating is they genuinely believe by, that by levying harsh criticism towards Megan that they can set themselves apart. They believe that Megan deserves the ire that is being levied against her. And I'm curious to know, in what part of American history has anything been fair and balanced for Black women in America? Like at what I just want to know because I don't feel like my life has been very fair, <laughs> you know, and I don't complain about the unfairness, but it's been very unfair, right? What about living in America is fair and balanced? Like when people criticize me, I don't recall people being fair and balanced with me. So why are we taking on the tone of misogynists to uh, to attack the credibility of a a black woman under the guise of being fair and balanced, like? To what end? <laughs> and I don't know. I think it's so interesting how these women are, are focused on being so objective and, and they deny that they have any bias. That's the most interesting thing. I can always tell actually intelligent women from women who have a superiority complex because thoughtful, intelligent women often can provide disclaimers because they know their limitations. They know the scope of their expertise. And they also know that they have a bias and they try to reduce bias wherever possible. This is the first thing you learn when you are, you know, doing survey methodology or you're in research courses or basically upper level, more academic discourse. You learn about bias. You learn about conducting a study. And and, and so it's interesting to see that all of these women have no ethics or morals. Like, you decide that when you want to critique a woman and quote unquote hold her accountable for the general public, that it's important for you to position yourself as the authority because you are quote unquote emotionless. When to me, it's just being cruel. And it's no, it's no surprise that some of the content creators most guilty of this talk like street pimps when it comes to addressing black women. Like y'all talk like street pimps for real like a pimp named Slipback. Y'all talk crazy. And it's like, you have a college education. Why are you getting so gutter? Like, it's like they'll be talking perfectly normal. And then when they are addressing a black woman or trying to quote unquote hold her accountable, they get super hood and super street. And like, just, they just like, they just, the malice jumps out and they just start dragging and dragging and dragging. And just, it doesn't stop. And I can't, I, I've never been that kind of person. For all of my faults, I can't really drag for real. And I can't really insult or embarrass people because I just don't have it in me. It requires a certain level of malicious intent that I just don't have. Um, and maybe quick-wittedness. But regardless, I, I think like it's weird that they don't think that that's a problem. Like, Why is nastiness the way that you hold women accountable, specifically black women. And then you call that being fair and balanced. I think it's like the Kevin Samuels model of degradation and shame. 
the best way to get a black woman's attention on social media and go viral is use the language of shame. Shame a black woman for her body. Shame her for her choices. Shame, shame, shame. It's like that scene in Game of Thrones where they're like, shame, shame, and they're ringing a bell. Like y'all want to shame these women into submission, into being the more respectable woman that you think that you are. And it's weird because like, with Kevin Samuels, and, and, and I'm going to get into this because, I, I mean, I don't like talking about, like I said, the, the shade room gossipy part of the internet, but I do think it's worth mentioning because it's relevant here. Um, with Kevin Samuels and other Manosphere dudes, right, what they like to do is they, they build their platforms on women, specifically the degradation and shame of women because they know that it goes viral. They know that it gets clicks and views and attention. And when they build their platforms on these women and the support from these women, they'll then do a bait and switch and start harassing them and really shaming them for public consumption. And when the women get understandably upset because that's their base of support, the man will then go, well, why don't you want to be held accountable? See, black women don't like accountability. Black women don't like criticism. And it's like, well, to be fair, you did build a whole platform pandering. To be fair, you did build a whole platform with black women as a target demo. So to do a bait and switch and then be like, oh, see, 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 now that I'm talking about you, you don't like it. And it's like, well, that's not what I signed up for. Like there's like a an, a, an implied social contract between influencers and the people that follow them. You follow that content creator for certain types of content. If they switch up their content out of nowhere, you're going to feel betrayed. And I think that these people are just using like narcissistic style gaslighting tactics to make it seem like you're just a horrible person who doesn't like accountability. When in actuality, you built an entire community of black women and then betrayed them. And that's what I see with these content creators, right? Like they talk about holding black women accountable, but like you built your base of black women and then targeted the credibility of a black woman who was talking about her assault. Like if there was ever a time to like pander, it would be now because literally there's a black woman talking about assault and violence is always one of those things that is a galvanizing effect on people. When someone's been abused or mistreated, it's easier to galvanize for sympathy. So the fact that you're not sympathetic to a victim of, of violence is quite wild. And you use the same sort of language of shame and humiliation to be emotionless and cold. And it's like, I thought victims of violence would be the most sympathetic. You know, and, and, and we can, and I'm going to talk about how a lot of times black women are not given sympathy, even when we're victims of violence, because in a country like America, y'all don't really feel like black women can be violated. You feel like we're inherently deviant. We're guilty till proven innocent. And there's no real way for people to sympathize with us because black women are so unrelatable, right? But I'm against that. Uh, what I wanted to say before that, though, is I feel like accountability cannot happen without community. And I've talked about this over and over and over and over again. And now y'all see why. Because imagine getting mad at Megan Thee Stallion for not being perfect, like the perfect victim. And then weaponizing shaming tactics and then attacking her credibility, right? And she should be able to take it, right? Because as harsh as you are, it's because she needs to be held accountable by a random person on the internet. But when your actual community that you built, your subscribers, your fan base, your, your followers come for you, you don't like it. You play the victim. You gaslight them and say that, well, they just don't like accountability. And it's like, well, no, to be fair, 
That's your actual community. Your actual community is giving you live feedback and saying that they don't like the content that you're producing and it hurts their feelings. And you're just like, forget your feelings. Like these people are paying your bills. <laughs> if, you're, if you're good at what you're doing, if you're not just giving you know, opinions for free on social media and ruining your, I don't know, like your social clout and attention, like your reputation for nothing, I'm assuming you're getting paid. So you literally get paid by these people. They, they support you financially with views, with likes and comments and shares. And of course, you know, with, you can get brand deals and endorsements selling products to that audience. So if you switch up your target demo and betray your audience, it's more difficult for you to connect with them now and they're going to feel like you're not reliable. And that's what's happening to a lot of these creators, these black female creators who thought that they could just build a platform off of black women like Kevin Samuels did and then do a bait and switch. They're finding out the misogyny doesn't work that way. You don't get to do a bait and switch on black women when you're a black woman yourself. You don't get to build a base of black women and then like harshly, cruelly talk about another black woman that's younger than you and think that we're just going to be on board. Nah, it doesn't work that way. That's the thing about misogyny. Only men get to do it fairly. Only men get to do it in a fun way. Black women, when we're misogynistic to each other, it's just ghetto and nasty. And then it ends up being like, you don't get paid the way Kevin Samuels gets, gets paid. You just get ostracized. You get alienated. And to be honest with you, like, you just end up losing your job. You end up losing your job, career prospects, social credibility and reputation, all because you wanted attention and clout. It's not worth it. <laughs> and like, I know nobody wants to hear this, but it's absolutely true. As a black woman, you don't get to do the same things that other people do. It doesn't work that way for us. That's why, remember when I said being fair and balanced doesn't really work for us in the same way? Yeah, it doesn't work that way. That's why a white woman can take Manosphere talking points and go viral on TikTok and make big money doing it. But if a black woman were to do the same, she'd get run off of TikTok and would lose her job. See, see, see how unfair and unbalanced that actually is? Yeah, everybody can't be Pearl on TikTok. Like she's a white woman with privilege and money and she can ruin her social reputation for money if she wants to. But if a black woman did it, she'd lose her job. Black women have lost their jobs and their credibility and their status for far less. But anywho, um, yeah, accountability without community is pointless. It's just shaming. It's just degradation. It's humiliation. It's a, it's a humiliation ritual that you often take Black women through. And I'm tired of it because, you know, there's plenty of people who deserve our ire and resentment. Megan Thee Stallion's not one of them. She's not perfect. And I'm going to get to why, you know, she's not perfect. But the point is, there's a better way. There is a much more evolved, humane way to do this. But anyway, moving forward, um, like I was saying before, I think it's really important to look at the way that we can maybe navigate these conversations in a way that's more effective. And I, and I find problems with the fact that a lot of these content creators who build these platforms are not willing to be humble and admit when they're wrong. And you can't take what you dish out. And we're seeing that happen in real time. With Megan in particular, I am concerned for her because one thing that I know to be true is that when you make a mistake this big, people will never let you live it down. And I think that there's, and it reminds me, plenty of Black women who are young, they make mistakes, like have babies by the wrong men or they date the wrong guy or 
they just they they're financially responsible and then they never recover from it because life is really the unfair and unbalanced like there's so many black women who lost their jobs got evicted um just crazy stuff happened this year so you know making a stallion taking an l is just par for the course for 2022 um but i don't think she should be it shouldn't be punitive she shouldn't lose everything from this and there are people who would seek to capitalize and benefit off of her demise. That's not being brought up in the conversation, but it needs to be told. Some of you are talking so recklessly because you're not really used to looking at the bigger picture, looking at business interests, thinking about the legalities and the contracts and things that people sign and what the motivations could be for this type of social media canceling. There's business interests here. This feels much bigger than just one simple situation. There's people who got money on the table. And I think that it would not surprise me that certain entities would like to see Megan fail. Um, and if they can't destroy her in the court, in the courts, and if, they, if Tory can't walk away free, then at the very least they'll destroy Megan's credibility in the court of public opinion, and she may not come out of this alive. And that is worth noting. Um, situations do happen where um, certain types of people and certain types of professions, this is what they do, sabotage and, and humiliation. And they, 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 just, they do this on a public scale in mass to create a crisis that can't really easily be solved. And it's not because Megan has a horrible team. Her team isn't the best, but it's not horrible. It's just like literally this is, a, this is about more than just what y'all think it is. But anyway, um, so yeah, about Megan's mistakes, I think this is something that should be mentioned. Um, when you are a young woman, it's easy to be a pick me because you are young, you are naive. You don't know right from wrong for real. You're still learning the world. And so I think that in my earlier years, I was a pick me. I mean, I was talking about submission, hypergamy, femininity, the whole nine yards. I wanted to submit to a man so bad. I wanted a provider so bad. I wanted these things because I thought it would make me happy. And I was willing to do what it took to be happy. And as I've gotten older, I realized that the world is more complex than that. And I need to rely on myself. That's not to suggest that I don't want comfort. I don't want luxury. I don't want these things. It's more so I'm able to look at things objectively and see the truth versus the fake. I have my own experiences to rely on now. And I'm not just going based off of the influencer's word. And so part of being a pick me could look like you know, taking on that handmaiden mentality where a woman is your competition, where you're competing for men because men are a scarce resource. You are um, talking about, you know, women as if they're objects. You know, y'all use these weird ass metaphors to basically equate women to cars and women to keys and locks and whatever. Like you dehumanize women often because that's the only way that you can make a point. And if that's the only way you can make a point, you don't have one. Um, a lot of times when you're a pick me, you take on the mindset of an abuser, meaning you don't really take women at face value when they tell you something happened to them. You're always making excuses. You're always saying how it maybe was a mistake and that it didn't really happen the way that they said it did. Um, even if it means gaslighting yourself into thinking you weren't really abused. Um, a lot of times it means turning a blind eye to things that don't affect you because you think you're the exception. That's a big one with black women. A lot of y'all are really guilty of this. You think that if it doesn't affect you directly, then therefore it's not your problem. And that when men are calling you B words and hoes and songs and, and they're using all sorts of incendiary language, sexist, chauvinistic language, men who make chauvinistic jokes, you think that you're the it girl. You're the exception because you keep your legs closed. You know, you're respectable. You have long hair, a natural body. 
you're educated, right? Um, you know how to act. You have table manners, right? You don't wear wigs and weaves and, and, the, and the long spider lashes. So therefore, you're better. And you genuinely think that men see you better, but it's all surface level. Behind the, behind the scenes, they will dog you out. They'll cheat. They'll, if, if a man has it in his heart to disrespect women, he will. Because he does not respect people. He does not respect human beings. So therefore, he will privately abuse you and publicly pretend like you're on a pedestal. But it's abuse going on behind the scenes, right? He'll cheat on you if he wants to cheat on you. And there's no amount of respectability that will keep him from doing that. And that's something I had to learn. Um, if you um, are a pick me, a lot of times you grow up with this mentality that like women are always to blame, that our sexuality is something to be afraid of. It's something to be regulated and controlled because it's too dangerous. It's too powerful. You know, you become a stumbling block to men just by wearing a cute skirt or a cute outfit, keeping your legs closed quite literally because then men can't peer up your skirt and then think you're whatever, whatever. Like, and you're a child thinking like this. You're a child covering up for men in the home that are your family members. You're a child thinking that there's something wrong with touching yourself. You're a child thinking that like, oh my gosh, like I can't tell my parents what happened to me because they're going to think that I asked for it or that I'm too fast or I'm too grown. You're a child with the weight of the world on your shoulders taking care of your siblings. You're a child, you know, trying to solve adult problems, not make adult men look at you even though you know they're looking at you. You're a child thinking about this. And, and so part of being a pick me is looking at your reality and gaslighting yourself enough into thinking that you can perform your way out of it, that you can be feminine enough, be soft enough to make a man want to treat you like a human being, you know? And so I think that, you know, Megan is guilty of this because yeah, she did hang around abusive, violent men and who rap terrible things about women who act terribly to women with histories of violent behavior, but it was beneficial for her. She got um, a song out of it. She got some radio play out of it and it was good for her until it wasn't right. She wasn't the exception. When Tori says what he says about women, when he talks like he talks about women in a song, I'm pretty sure he means that <laughs> it's not a character. It's how he really feels. Ask Kodak Black. That's how he really feels. And then when he talks that way, when he calls you a B word, when he does certain things in real life, it's like, what? Like, no, that's how he feels. You're not the exception. And yeah, that same guy said dance, B word, dance, because that's how he feels about B words like you. Did you think because you had a nice body, good shape, pretty clothes, you're rich on Forbes that he wouldn't do it to you? He would. He, he really, really would. And he would love to do it to more successful women because it puts you in your place. And like I said, I'm not here to shame Meg because like I said, like we probably all had a pick me phase when we were super young and we didn't know no better. And I'm not saying Meg's a bad person. She just had to learn the hard way. And it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's hard that it was so public. And it's hard that people have been using this to just disregard her and every positive thing she's ever done. Because I don't think that's fair, right? Like, it's older black women doing this too. Like, you are old, you are old ho. You was out here before they even had a Meg Thee Stallion. They was out here with a banjo talking about what they would do, flip it and reverse it, right? But when you see Megan Thee Stallion doing it now, it's a different story. Like, you, you done forgot yourself, right? And then there's some women who may be like me, 
were raised in the church or raised in a very conservative environment that don't have that story. And you have the superiority complex. And so you genuinely think, I don't know why, but you actually think that these men would not do the same to you. Tory Lanez would have no problem airing me out, Megan and whoever else. Weave lashes or not, BBL or not, it wouldn't really matter. Because <laughs> if you don't respect people, you don't respect women. And there's no way you can perform your way into making a man love you and respect you. It's just either he does or he doesn't. And I think that it's really weird to see how people try to, to use this as a way to not only shame Meg about her own indiscretions, but then be like, she deserves to suffer for it. Like, no, I'm grateful that in my pick me, pick me phase, I wasn't blasted on the internet. I'm grateful in my pick me phase, I learned and I adapted and moved on before my mid twenties. So now I can sound intelligent on a podcast, but back in the day, y'all could have, I was a pick me easy. I was raised conservative Christian. I'm a, I'm a pick me by nature just from that. Every day I got to tussle with myself to not be a pick me, to not be internally misogynistic, right? I have to actively make that choice. It's a hard one, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a valid struggle. And so I don't know. I think it's really weird to see that these high moral standards for women never apply to men, right? Men are not asked to be better people and have often said that they're given a redemption arc even after death. A man could be a dirty dog while alive, but then he dies and it's like water under the bridge. He's getting ready to go to jail. Suddenly he's a loving, doting father and you can't let the criminal justice system take him from his kids. Like what? It's getting out of hand. It's, it's a little out of hand. And this is cause for reflection because y'all are expecting so much perfection and strategy of a woman that y'all don't know. And now we even go so far as to say that even the way that people who have their middle-class values of respectability are coming from Megan and trying to give her advice and PR strategy when you don't make a million dollars, you've never even seen a million dollars, is beyond me. Like, I know my sphere, right? And although I'm educated and I have a certain kind of job or whatever, I can at least recognize that, like, Megan's on a different level. Megan Pete is a multimillionaire. Megan the Stallion is a multi-million dollar brand and y'all are not understanding the difference because what that means is her multi-million dollar brand is a product at a label. There will be things that they will do to protect that brand that you may not like. So when you talk crazy about Megan Pete, Megan Pete is liable to sue for defamation of character actually. If you talk crazy about Megan Thee Stallion the brand and you ruin the brand, they're liable to sue for libel, for slander. You know what I'm saying? Be careful. Don't get too reckless at the mouth. Remember, you're not on her pay grade. You may even be doing okay, but y'all don't even make 20, 30K a month. So I don't think you're on the level and you have the resources to fight it. If Megan herself said, I'm going to start nipping this in the bud. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference between understanding the hierarchy here and understanding that like, you got to be careful who you levy these sorts of accusations to and who you speak on. But that's besides the point. I just wanted to add that in. But yeah, like Megan, you know, Megan makes mistakes. She's not perfect. And we, none of us are perfect. We just haven't had our imperfections exposed and, and made it a discourse or a talking point for the entire world. Um, you know, when we, we haven't really had our lowest point shown to everyone. 
And I just want to put this into even more perspective. If everything I've said so far is hidden, it's resonating, it's a lot of finger snaps and nodding from you, I'm going to take it even a step further. Will Smith got dragged through the mud this year for a slap. Y'all are treating Megan like y'all treated Will Smith. And it's baffling considering that like people were like, oh my God, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Oh my God, he's a horrible person. His 16 plus years of service and being a light in the industry, tarnished. He's done. He's finished. He doesn't deserve to get an award or be in a movie ever again because that slap was a sign of violence. It's a pathological behavior that he has. He's just so violent. That's how y'all were talking about Will Smith. Now, Will actually did something wrong. Megan just got shot. <laughs> and y'all are like, okay, with the guy who did the shooting. And you're saying that she was the one who was wrong. And it's weird because Chris Rock gets to be a victim, even though he low-key antagonized Will Smith unnecessarily and has done so for quite some time. Megan ain't even being treated like a victim when, to be honest... I don't think there's ever a situation where you should shoot someone. I don't think there's really that many options for someone who wants to shoot and wants to, to, to consider it justified in my eyes. Violence to that degree is, is almost never justified. So like there's nothing we could really say that Megan could have done to deserve that. You know what I mean? And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's weird to see how Chris Rock was a black man and he was considered a victim by y'all. And I'm not saying he wasn't victimized. I'm just saying he was considered a victim. But with Megan Thee Stallion, she was actually shot and could have lost her life. And it's like, uh, no, but to be fair, her chest was out. So, well, well, you know, she has raunchy lyrics. So, uh, well, you know, she says that she don't need a man. So she don't need protection. Huh? But she was an actual victim. Somebody actually committed a violent act towards her. And suddenly it's a different situation. So I don't know. I just I, I just hope y'all understand how unfair and unbalanced this whole thing is. Um, and yeah, I think that when we talk about the the respectability aspect, Anita Hill was a respectable black woman who did everything right. She was educated and she literally just said, hey, like this guy that you're about to confirm as a Supreme Court justice is kind of a weirdo. And like he assaulted and, and made some crazy statements. And like everybody knew it was true is the thing. Like if you read about this, it wasn't like it was uncommon for <laughs> Clarence Thomas to be weird um, and do the things that he was doing. But she had the audacity to speak up about it. And she was drugged through the mud. The media was used as a tool to drag, dr just drag her through the mud and, and frame the situation a certain way. And, well, we see how that aged. <laughs> we see what Clarence Thomas has been up to. So you see what I mean? It's like you could be the most respectable woman possible and people will still come at you with a level of vitriol that's unseen. And the, the handmaidens are the ones that look the most like you. And they're the ones that are willing to do it more so than anybody else. I haven't seen legal experts say what influencers are saying. I, I really haven't. I, I don't think they would go that far because they understand it could put them in legal harm and they could lose their licenses. There's a lot more responsibility they have. So they're careful of their words. But the way that black women who are adopting that handmaiden mentality have been leveraged to, to attack Megan's credibility is wild because 
you know, yes, black men have done it, but it's almost like it's a knee-jerk reaction. Like if a black man is accused of something, he's in a courtroom, they just automatically take his side without really thinking it through. But with a black woman, you could actually die. Like somebody could eat your babies and somebody would somehow find a way to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, I know that black man ate that woman's babies, but it's just, I don't like the way that she went to court and look at the suit that she wore. And what was she doing with those kids in the first place? And see, that's what happened when you were single mother. I can already see the the takes, the TikToks, the Instagram posts. It would be nuts. And it's like, dude, but her somebody ate her babies. Oh, doesn't matter. You a single mother. And you see, that's what happens when you say you don't need a man and you don't need protection. I'm telling you, there's no end to this madness. And women should not be the ones leading the charge on this. It's just not the thing that you... You don't want to be the face of black women not getting justice. You know, paradoxically, we can't say protect black women and then create an environment that's so hostile to any black woman, even the celebrity ones, even the attractive ones getting justice. Like if we may, like this is where, you know, I got to break it down. If you're listening to this and you're just like, I don't care Megan was wrong and the legal system and da 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 And oh, I just feel like y'all just don't understand the argument and we're just using facts. Let me put it like this. If you're actually a self-interested black woman who's just so far above everybody else, right? And like you just don't actually care about the mental health of black women or whatever. I'll put it to you like this. Is it within your best interest to publicly take a, a stance against a domestic violence victim? Like not only from like a social credit score perspective, meaning your reputation, but also like practically speaking, we don't want to create a scenario where people who are outside of the black community don't even want to help victims because they're like, y'all have created such a hostile environment that no one can defend black women from actual violence. Not, not, not even rhetorical, like not even like verbal. I mean like physical violence. No one can protect black women from physical violence because that person will be called a racist and drug through the mud in order to do it. Like think about that. Do you want your allies to come under intense fire just for acknowledging facts? Like factually, it is not a good idea to shoot somebody because they did something you don't like. That's probably gonna land you in jail. I think we can all agree on that. So if we create an environment that's so hostile to anyone defending us under any circumstances, even when we're objectively the victim, what do you think that does for the collective? And I know, I know you're an individual, you're sovereign, you don't need anyone, you're so much better than us, but be realistic. Would it not be simpler to just be strategically silent and just say, you know what? I don't agree with Megan's choices. I don't agree with the way that she's handled herself. I don't even agree with her music and her raunchy image. But maybe I shouldn't be so vocal about antagonizing victims of domestic violence. So I'm gonna just be quiet. I don't wanna add to the cacophony of voices attacking her credibility. Because one day, another black woman, or worse yet, a little black girl could, could need to tell her story and nobody will believe her or come to her aid. Because we all, as a community, decided that our egos were more important than justice.
Like, I just want to, I want y'all to really think about what is the interest there? How can you use your self-interest to be quiet if you don't have anything nice to say? <laughs> and maybe this is a mindset thing, but I'm getting into the habit of not trying to constantly force myself in my opinion in situations where I'm not paid for it and it is not desired or wanted or necessary. It's not required. Um, I just think that's something to consider, right? Because if you want to be fair and objective and balanced and unemotional, then be reasonable. There will come a day when another black woman will get harassed and attacked Maybe she'll get eaten. Maybe she'll be chased by a serial killer. Who knows? It's America. Who, who knows, right? Do we want to set the norm that like she's automatically guilty until proven innocent? Do we really want to do that? Do we really want to be those people that's like, well, we can't rely on that black woman to get any support because you know how the black community is. So we just going to be quiet. We're not even going to cover the story. The news outlets, we won't even cover it because we already know how the black community going to do we, we don't want that backlash. Like, do y'all really want it to go down like that? Like, we can't get no coverage for stuff half the time because people are afraid to confront our reality, even though objectively it's pretty bad. Even when objectively we are the victim. You can be the perfect victim and people will still be like, I don't know. And I just, I don't think we're prepared for that reality. Like if you can't, you can't complain about black women not being taken seriously in the workplace or all these other things and like remove it from this white supremacist standard where people of color, specifically women, right? We got to do way more to be seen as guilty, or excuse me, as seen as innocent. You know, like you can't remove yourself from that and you can be as individualistic as you want to be, but you still live in America, right? Your respectability your pressure to, to conform and by wearing an ankle-length dress because you think it'll protect you from violence, like the reason you believe that is because somebody taught that to you. And let me tell you, if you want to talk about respectability, the worst people to have that conversation with are wealthy people. Wealthy people don't care. Like, yeah, some of them may be well-mannered, but behind the scenes, listen, you will find just how little respectability there actually is. Like, and, and you'll find that the respectability that y'all crave, that you think is a shield or an armor, is actually a way for people who are much wealthier than you to annihilate, assassinate your character, take you down and destroy you with a smile. It's a veneer. It's a veneer. And when you play that game, you're playing it according to their rules and you will lose because it's the, it's the, it's the game they created. They made the rules, you know, like that's the whole point. Like that's the whole point of this. The whole point is to, for someone to provoke you into anger, provoke you into situations that are life or death and they'll watch you struggle. And then they get to be cute with a smile, right? And you're forced to either speak out or hold your peace. You know, they're holding the end. It's like them putting poison in your mouth, forcing you to swallow it. And then when everyone's looking, smile, they smile. And it's like, you know, they have the antidote. They're holding it in their hand, but you're the only one that can see it. No one else can see it. 
But in order for, you know, you to, to survive, you had to call them out and be like, this person has the antidote, take the antidote away from them. And, and it's going to make you look crazy though. And the person will be like, well, I don't have the antidote. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's like, what do you do? Do you confront the person head on in a crowded room full of people? What if they call you a liar? And it's like, I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. Like I'm dying. I'm physically dying. Like they have the antidote. They poisoned me. And everyone's going to be like, well, I don't know. They seem really nice. They're smiling and she's well-dressed. Ooh, look at the Louis bag. Ooh, so, so pristine, so nice, so luxurious. Oh my God, this attractive, beautiful, rich person. How could they ever be so vile? And you're like dying. <laughs> That's what respectability does. It has you groveling for basic decency and respect by putting on a veneer of politeness and hospitality. And the wealthiest people are the ones who employ this. They're not that respectable, y'all. Not not what you're thinking. Not what you're thinking. And it's like, I don't know who needs to hear that, but y'all really need to hear that because that's what it's really like behind closed doors. They get real nasty. And y'all talking about, well, Megan, if Megan just wore a different suit, this if Megan wore a different, let's just say she wore a black suit, it wouldn't change the outcome, y'all, because it ain't about the suit. It ain't It ain't about that. It's, this is business. <laughs> There's there's a lot of money on the table right now. So anyway, um, I hope what I'm saying is making sense. I hope y'all see that um, this is just not good. It's no bueno. It's no bueno. I, I, I'm really emotionally impacted by what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, because, you know, like I said, like I'm relatively similar in age to Megan and I've you know, not perfect. The media could easily take something I said out of context or do or anything and be like, oh, she was a horrible person. She doesn't deserve justice. See, look at her. And like, they don't care about the truth. They just care about the story. So what then? And if you don't think that this could happen to literally anyone, then you're not paying attention because wealthy and powerful people will make sure that you are public enemy number one. They will make sure that they win in the court of public opinion, right? And you won't have the resources to fight it. And I don't know, it's really affecting my mental health seeing so many older black women, older than me, women who I would want to look up to for advice or, or feedback, women that I would want to, to really give me guidance, turn their backs and say, well, that's a you problem. If you had only been more respectable, it wouldn't happen to you. It's like you can't even lend a kind word. And I just, y'all are it's just, it's just so malicious. It's so cruel. And I don't know, like as a younger black woman, like it makes me not really trust some black women, not all, but it makes me not trust y'all, y'all's words or intentions, because you've made it clear that there is no community amongst us. I want there to be, but I don't think there is. And I'll put it like this. If you don't want community with black women, you don't like black women, you don't make content for black women, you don't support black women, you don't see yourself reflected in black women, you generally don't like us, right? Because we are so distasteful. Like we are the women that you hate. You just don't like us because you are embarrassed of us. If that is the case, and that's your actual opinion of black women, like you just can't stand us, right? You you like men more than you like women. You, you got that handmaiden spirit, right? Then take your mouth off of us. Don't talk about us. Don't give us the time of day. Don't give us the attention. Don't critique us. Do us all the favor and pretend like you like we don't exist, right? 
because you're not in community with us. So you don't get to hold us accountable. You don't get to target black women and hold people accountable. And you're like only holding people that you don't like to that standard. I just find that to be absurd. I really, really do. Don't build platforms using black women as a target demo, right? Don't do that because you don't like us. You don't support us. You don't feel the need to support us. You're a sovereign. You're independent. You're, you're self-interested. You're not like the rest of us. You're different, right? So be set apart. Be different. Be different. Be that. Be that. Because my mental health can't take too much of this. I, I can't take too much of this, y'all. This is it's outlandish. And it's insanity. It's insanity perpetuating these same cycles of, of toxic, you know, abuse and mistreatment over and over and over again. It's like a it's like a vicious cycle. Y'all become the bitter Bettys that you used to complain about. And then you wonder why these young girls can't get free. They can't get free because y'all telling them to do the same stuff that your parents did and your parents broke. Your parents don't have it. You don't even really have it. <laughs> like, I just don't think how it's going it's to, it's not how we're going to get free, y'all. And, you know, I'll talk about in a different TikTok and um, an accompanying a podcast episode about how this soft life stuff, this respectability that y'all are employing is not helping black women get free for real. It, it's, it's, not, it's not doing what y'all think it's doing. But anyway, I'm pretty much exhausted all of the points I've listed here. So I want to say thank you so much for listening. And I hope that this like resonated with you and that what I'm saying makes sense. If you would like, please share this episode, share it with your friends and start the conversation. DM me on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right. That's all I have for you guys. Talk to you in the next one. Bye.